0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Black and White Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Quentin Corkywell. On today's episode of the pod, Gabe and I sat down, asked, and answered several burning questions we had heading into the NFL playoffs, which are commencing this Saturday and Sunday for Super Wild Card Weekend. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. I am very excited And I hope you are too. As always, make sure to check out theblackandwhite.net. We've got a whole bunch of new stories going up. Awesome stories. Of course, check out the Rutabaga.net as well. Walt High School's satire website. So without further ado, here we go. Okay, we are recording this Tuesday night, January 5th. The playoffs super wild card weekend starts on Saturday. I'm honestly just happy we're here. I'm so happy that the NFL got all 256 games in, improbably. I didn't think it would happen. I definitely would not have bet on that going into the season. Are, are you as stoked as I am that we're having a wild card weekend?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think I was equally, if not more, pessimistic than you um, about just the NFL's ability to handle this because the NBA really nailed it. I don't really follow other sports leagues, um, but I was really hoping that the NFL would, would try to do a bubble or something like that. And then they said, no, we're not doing the campus thing. And I, so I was really surprised when they were just trying to uh, do it where each team, uh, each team's facilities could determine whether they could have fans. I was really worried about that, but you know, we're here. And that's all that counts right now.
0: We're here. We're here. So we are going to be bringing up and answering some burning questions heading into the postseason. Speaking of COVID, that is actually one of the questions that I had. Will COVID impact the playoffs? And I said both yes and no. So I'll give... I'll give why, because obviously that's an interesting answer. So yes, I say, I say yes because it already has. The Browns had in the Cleveland Browns, if you hadn't heard, had an outbreak, and that has taken out a bunch of their head coaches, including their their head coach Kevin Stefanski, which I want to get to a little later. But that's that's a huge loss. COVID, it can't – I say yes because it can impact the playoffs. It's already impacted teams this season we've seen. I say no in terms of the NFL canceling or postponing games because there's no way they're just not going to let the playoffs happen because in leagues like the NBA, they said if there's a COVID outbreak, like, we might be done because obviously they were in a bubble – But the NFL's been so reluctant to cancel games throughout the season that I doubt they would let it impact the playoffs if they were that reluctant to cancel games during the regular season.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I really see it being uh, just as impactful, uh, uh, COVID being just as impactful uh, in the postseason as it was in the regular season. I I don't know if there's... um, yeah, I, I, none of the players have gotten vaccinated, so uh obviously it's still a very uh, high risk and yeah, we'll we'll just have to see. I'm I'm curious to see if uh teams will have outbreaks like the Steelers did um a while back and if that would cause them to postpone very uh, Miniscule or uh, very minimally, some games like pushing back a few days, see if they can get it under control, see if they were false positives. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to see if that'll happen. Obviously, hope for the best. Hope everyone stays uh, happy and healthy. Of course, of course.
0: I think the NFL, if there is a COVID outbreak, let's like like let's say it's Chiefs Packers for the Super Bowl, and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have COVID. There's no way the nfl <laughs> letting the super bowl happen without the two brightest stars like that's just not happening so i feel like they're gonna give teams some star treatment they're not gonna treat them like the denver broncos and force them to throw out a practice squad wide receiver or quarterback that's just not happening so i think the nfl will de- i think they will continue their their COVID practices even in the postseason they because throughout this season we've seen that no no other sport can compete with the NFL i mean a a Jaguars dolphins thursday night football game early in the season got more rate, that got got higher ratings than game 6 of the NBA finals yeah so the NFL has shown it can compete with anybody uh, they, they they can have the super bowl honestly whenever they want and it'll still get hella
1: ratings Oh wait, small tangent, but this kind of broke mm. a couple hours ago that Devonta Smith um, won the Heisman. Do you want to r- give your quick take on that before we
0: continue? He he deserved it. Yeah, he was rightfully he was that that was the that was a good pick. He was the best player in college football this season. Yeah,
1: so, I, yeah I was that, sure. that was
0: that was yeah. that was the right pick. Yeah,
1: for sure. Sorry about so, that. So yeah. <laughs>
0: No, 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 because the, uh, Heisman's a big deal. So, yeah, in conclusion, COVID will, can still definitely impact teams, but it will not impact the way the NFL goes about postponing and canceling games because the NFL has shown this season they, that they will go to the absolute maximum to ensure that the games go on. All right, Gabe. What's your first burning question?
1: So I've got a general one, and it's about the playoff format. I, mm. I'm just curious to see uh, how it turns out, how that extra team in in the wild card round um, displays itself. Because, uh, what, it's the Bears in the NFC and Colts in the, Colts AFC. And the AFC. So – I just want to see how the 7 seeds do. I obviously don't have very high expectations. Um I'm also really interested in how it's going to be having the 2 seed playing on Wild Card weekend. Um both yeah, both of those things are uh quite interesting. And actually they're playing each other, the 2 and the 7 seed. So kind of new. Um yeah, the new format, w- what's going on with that and how it's going to work next week when we have only one team coming off a of bye. Uh yeah, I I think it's um it was a cool move and I want to see them do it again if it works and then revisit it if it doesn't. So yeah, I think the new format
0: had several benefits. One, it made the one seed even more important. Number 2, obviously got an extra team into the playoffs when in a season where you had a conference like the AFC that had, I think six, 10 win teams mm-hmm. going into week 17, that just ensured one more of those teams was going to have a chance to compete for the super bowl. And I think the right seven teams are in the, the AFC I agree. as, as, as good as the dolphins were. I just think the seven teams that made the playoffs were just a little bit better than them. Um, and hey, look—you are going to have years where an eight and eight Bears team gets in, <laughs> even though I we I wrote them off on this podcast. I did not think they were making the playoffs, let alone clawing back from. They were five and seven and going in a downward spiral. Who could, who could have predicted that? Um, yeah. If I think if. I feel like if either the Bears are Colts to win, I'm interested to see if that changes the narrative on whether people want this format to continue. Because I think the NFL said this was just
1: a one-year thing.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: No, I think that was right, uh, that it was only one year, which is why it's, like, it's all on how those seven seeds perform. I don't know. Yeah. It...
0: I think... I think it was a good idea, because, I mean, I, I already said it. The playoffs are running through one. It's running through one. It's running through one team. I mean, not like it, not like it wasn't in previous years. But now that obviously the Packers and Chiefs has the one seed, they, I guess they can get a. I'm contradicting myself cuz this it's not like this is different from other years. It's just that the 1 seed is the only team that has a bye
1: mm-hmm.
0: instead of the 1 and 2 seed. I I kind of dig it. I think it gives the 7 seed a, a obviously a chance at the Super Bowl and a chance to prove themselves against another good team. So yeah, I I do think it was a good
1: idea. Yeah, and it made the regular season like just slightly more competitive which was
0: nice. Uh, yeah, because you had the Saints, Packers, and Seahawks all dying to get that one seed. Mm-hmm. Because I think I definitely think if, let's say, I'm trying to remember, I think the Saints were the two seed already. I think they, I don't know if their strategy would have changed because they still could have gotten the one seed. But yeah, it di- it did make the regular season more important, which I'm always down for. All right. That was a good question. That was a good question. All right. Speaking of home field advantage, that is my next question. Will it be a factor at all? And I said it will be, but certainly not as much as past years. So home teams this year in the regular season won just over half of their games. Taking away, even taking away the Niners three games they lost while playing in Arizona, they still, the record is still about 500. So there are going to be several teams that are going to hurt from having limited fans. Number one has to be Seattle. Mm -hmm. That stadium is different come playoff time. I think following them, Buffalo, I think New Orleans, I'm trying to think who else definitely
1: let me, let me stop you before you talk about the Packers, just to say that Lambeau field in January is the biggest steal for the Packers getting home field advantage. They can play in the, in the frigid cold, in the snow, in the ice, whatever weather. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That was my next point. Another, well, there are two main advantages this year adverse weather and time zones. So, adverse weather, the playoffs running through Lambeau, you can have teams the Packers could play. You've got Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, New Orleans plays in a dome. I mean, you've got all these teams that aren't really that used to the cold. And the snow, you saw, it, we saw it firsthand when Tennessee came to Green Bay. Playing in the snow was hard, especially for teams that play eight games in cities where it does not snow. In fact, the climate is usually warm. And then you've got time zones, teams, L.A., Teams on the coasts traveling several hours. Athletes have said that time zones do affect you. And you've got teams on the coasts that are going to have to travel. The Super Bowl's in Tampa Bay this year. I mean, who knows if... What if the Buccaneers make the Super Bowl? That would be the ultimate home field advantage. What if the NFC... Can the NFC... Yeah, what if the NFC championship game is... Seattle Tampa Bay that 's a lot of traveling, and so obviously the biggest factor I think is there being a limited capacity in the stadiums, no crowd which, which are usually sold out for the playoffs, but they're still gonna, teams are still going to get some help from
1: from Mother Nature,
0: Gabe, have you ever been to a Packer's playoff game
1: i've been to one Week 17 game on my birthday in 2016 and one playoff game in Washington. So I've been to a snowy, frozen tundra Lambeau Field before, and I've been to a Packers playoff game, but they weren't the same game.
0: How is the atmosphere? In oh, it's
1: different. It's, you, you can't compare it to anything else. You have thousands of people in their warmest clothes, together, all rooting for the same team, and you have, uh what, four years ago? So, fourteen-year-old me, um, getting offered beers from these fans that are just so into it, just like me. Everyone's wearing cheese heads. Everyone's just so into it, and it's it's so cold. You can't, yeah, you just can't beat it, and the. I couldn't explain it to you um, beyond what I've just said. Like, there's an emotional aspect, too, that just can't be described with words. Yeah, and
0: I think there was a psychologist when the NBA bubble was starting saying how there are certain guys like Joel Embiid and LeBron James that feed off the crowd.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, without, without a crowd, Aaron Rodgers, the king of the hard count, You can get guys jumping off sides. You can hear everything now Mm -hmm. without a crowd. uh, It's hard. It's hard to really feel it over the TV. Like you have to be there. Like even at a Giants regular season game in East Rutherford, that meant nothing. Third down when the bell plays and the crowd gets loud, it feels different and obviously somewhere without fans. And so I think home field advantage is is going to be somewhat there, but definitely not as much as
1: past years. I think you can say that its impact will be felt differently. Um, Yeah, yeah. because, for example, Cole McCoy,
0: when the Giants beat the Seahawks, Cole McCoy in a normal year is not going into Seattle and beating the Seahawks with a full-capacity crowd. Like, that's just not happening. Yeah. So, that is that is that. Gabe, what's, what's your next one?
1: Yeah, I've got a question. The Saints have some, some injuries to um, arguably their two best players. I don't really think arguably, but... It is technically an opinion, so I do have to say arguably, uh, which are Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara and Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was put on injured reserve, but that's, that only disqualifies him from the regular season. He can be activated off of that um, for postseason games should he be ready to um, play. And then Kamara, that's those are two pretty big uh, question marks entering that game, because I would say without without them, obviously the Saints have been without Thomas for um, quite some time. I don't have the exact date of his injury memorized, but I think the two um, just make it so much more of a gimme game for the Saints. So my question is how badly are the Saints going to want to make them play? And I genuinely think That's like it's worth the risk, but obviously I'm not a medical professional um, and I'm not in I'm not an NFL coach, uh, so I'm not really qualified to make that assessment. But in my mind, if they're minor injuries and they both seem healthy enough, Chicago is kind of one of those teams that, you know, you never really know what you're going to get so it's better to just try really hard like the Packers did. Because in the first half, they were only up by five on Sunday, um, and they weren't looking like much of a better team. They were just able to stop Chicago from scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, Chicago could have easily been up 28-21, and that would have been a different story entering the second half. And they were making, forcing the Packers to make some mistakes. And I think that the Saints, offensively, are a relatively similar team to Green Bay, obviously with more of a rushing focus, so I'm just curious to see um, how badly the Saints will push them.
0: So, I think Kamara's going to play. There was an interesting nugget. So, had the Saints been scheduled to play Saturday, they said Kamara wouldn't have been able to play because of his, the COVID contact tracing protocols, but since they're playing on Sunday, he, he sounds like he's good to go. The great thing about the Saints, they've, they've been able to make do with replacements sure. over the past couple of years, and it's worked. Obviously, this season, Taysom Hill went undefeated. Last se- or he might have lost one game. Or did he go undefeated? He, he did well. He did well. He, they, they kept the boat afloat with him at quarterback. Season before that when Teddy Bridgewater came in for 5 games, Saints went 5 and 0. So the Saints have been able to still win games without their starters. Um trying to think of this. Drew Brees has looked a lot better these past couple of weeks. I don't know about you. It seems like he's gotten a little more air under the ball, which is something that has had been a huge criticism over pretty much the whole season. And obviously Kamara brings another element to this offense. Six touchdowns in a game is impressive. Mm-hmm. So... I think the Saints are definitely gonna want them to play because who knows they might lose in spectacular fashion again. Like they have the past few years. And they're they're gonna want all the dogs they can to go against this Bears team that's somehow in the playoffs. Yeah,
1: and also it's worth mentioning that the Bears are battling some some injuries too. So I don't think I don't think it's uh Unreasonable to say that it is totally um, in the bag for New Orleans. Obviously, anything can happen, but um, it's theirs to lose. Agreed.
0: Agreed. All right. Let's move on now. Which versions of the Steelers and Browns will we see on Sunday Night Football? So both teams have been Jekyll and Hyde this season. Let's start with the Browns. Let's start with the good Browns. The Browns we've seen against the Titans. And I'll say, even though they lost to the Ravens 47-42, the second time they played them, I still think they played mm-hmm. a really good game. So, the good Browns. Their rushing attack is lethal. I think Kareem Hunt would be a starter on several NFL teams. Baker Mayfield is clicking with his receivers whether that be Rashard Higgins or Austin Hooper or whoever whoever they've got out there, Donovan Peoples, Jones, whoever. And the defense capitalizes on opportunities. They're forcing turnovers, and they're winning the turnover battle. The crappy Browns, which we saw in their first game against the Ravens, their first game against the Steelers where they lost – by 31 the Raiders where they put up six points and the Jets
1: can I add can I add In those last games, last week against Steelers backups sure 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 their rushing
0: attack is not great Baker Mayfield commits multiple turnovers and the defense doesn't force any turnovers it also doesn't help, obviously, when all of your receivers have COVID, but that's, that's just right. unlucky. First of all, before I get into more ridiculing of the Browns, just congratulations to them. I am very happy for not only them, but their fan base, who has had to sit through 18 years of just bad football, and they're finally in the playoffs. So I'm happy for them. As for the Steelers, the good Steelers, which was the first 11 games of the season and the second half against the Colts. Their defense is locked down and is opportunistic. Deep completions on offense are plenty to TikTok stars Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, as well as Deontay Johnson. And the running game is at least somewhat there. We saw that against the Ravens. James Conner found some holes. And when he finds holes, he he, can, he, he takes them and he, he capitalizes on them. The Bad Steelers, which we saw versus Washington, and we saw against the Bengals, the Bad Steelers literally cannot run the ball. Against Washington, they had 21 rushing yards total on 14 attempts. And Benny Snell got stuffed four times at the one-yard line. Their receivers cannot get open or catch the ball or both. And you got Juju Smith-Schuster dancing on opposing teams' logos, which he has stopped. So, the Browns against the Steelers this year have not been good, even though, obviously, they won last week. It was to the Steelers' backups, and they're going into this week without a lot of key pieces, including their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, which I mentioned earlier. Do you watch the – Gabe, do you watch the Pat McAfee show? Occasionally, but not really. Okay, so he was talking about how when he was with the Colts in 2012, it was Andrew Luck's rookie year, their offense caught fire, and they made the playoffs. Bruce Arians was the interim coach after Chuck Pagano got cancer. And the morning of their playoff game against the Ravens, their, the team was told literally when they get to the stadium that Bruce Arians had like a heart issue and had to be rushed to the hospital and wouldn't be able to coach today. And the interim had to fill in. And the Colts put up Nine points when they were averaging north of 23 points a game that season. So the gist of McAfee's story was that losing your main play callers is huge. Losing the guy that had instilled a new culture within the team is huge. And as good as the Browns have been, losing their main play caller may cause them to look like they did in week, what was it, eight? against the Steelers or the game against the Raiders where they put up a whole six points. So it's going to be a tall task for the Browns, but again, who knows? The good Browns could show up. Everything could be fine. And they, they upset the Steelers. Gabe, what do you think of this intra-division rivalry that the NFL put on Sunday night?
1: Yeah. Um, I think you can't say enough how impactful Stefanski has been. I don't know where he stands in the coach of the year voting or whatever. But yeah, there. at least top 3 if not the winner. Um I I would hope certainly. The the stuff he's done for them for a team that's really battled some serious adversity, whether it be injuries, um, whether it be COVID and now they're coach of the year. And I just, I don't know, Quentin. I, I don't know what that's going to do. You can talk all you want about, oh, this player is the MVP. This player is like, has really become like very good this season, but you can't, mm-hmm. you can't really tell the impact of a coach. And I'm not sure if it's, if it's humongous, like I certainly believe it is. And I can't tell if it's really minuscule and this Browns team is good enough with, I believe their play caller, their offensive coordinator, like calls the plays occasionally, maybe I'm not sure. Um, taking the reins as a full-time interim head coach here. Um, And then the Steelers, I do think they're going to be well-rested, but there are uh, instances where um, well-rested players come back and are really rusty. So we'll just have to see. I, I don't really have any takes yet because, like I said, I just don't know. I would definitely
0: take the Steelers in this game just because they've looked great against the Browns this whole season. And I still really believe in that defense, despite them losing guys like Devin Bush and Bud Dupree. Obviously, big losses, but they still got T.J. Watt. They still got Minka Fitzpatrick. They still got Cam Hayward. Yeah. But the Browns, other than Kevin Stefanski, they lost Joel Batonio, who has suffered through several head coaches, all of this losing in Cleveland. He was on the 0-16 team. They finally get to the playoffs, and then he gets COVID. Terrific player. Terrific player. He's one of the Browns. He's one of Cleveland's key guys. So if the Browns can overcome all of those losses and pull an upset on Sunday Night Football, I will have the utmost respect for them if they can rally. Yeah. But I just think it's too I I think it's too tall of a task. Even though I still think they can definitely win. I still think it's too tall of a task cuz when the Steelers offense is on, it's it's on. Guys are getting down the field, they're getting open, they can catch. And Ben Roethlisberger is still pretty good. So it it'll it'll be a tall task. I think the Browns I, they can do it, but that, that's just that's, I feel like that's just too many losses. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you.
1: Um, all right. what do you got, Kate? What's the next one? I'm split by th- I'm, uh, I'm split between three questions, and I'm gonna go with one that I haven't cleared by you at all. Um, All good. I'm going to preface this by saying I think that the Colts-Bills game will be quite competitive. Same. The Colts have, would you say, the best defense of the playoff teams? No. Top three, though? Four. Yeah. I just really want to watch that game. I want to drop everything that I'm doing on 105, at 105 on Saturday, January 9, and turn on CBS and watch that game. Because, I, I don't know, I'm just really excited for it. And something about me is just trying to, like, I don't know, my my instincts are telling me that it's going to be a really good game. And I just... I, if there were if there was an upset to pick this weekend that's not the technical upset of the buccaneers over washington um this would be one i'd pick or the ravens over titans um this would be the upset to pick over wild card weekend because the colts when they're uh when they're really good you can't beat them like against the packers they were really good. We could not have beaten them in that game in that scenario. Uh the next day maybe we could have beat them but when they are clicking, they are clicking. It's really tough it's really tough to stop them. They've gotten Jonathan Taylor rolling and I've seen what he can do as a Wisconsin Badgers fan, I I don't know. And Yeah, that that would be the upset to watch. But my question is, will it be as close as my instincts are trying to tell me it will be? So, uh, there are a lot of different valid answers.
0: Yes, you you could go yes, it will be close, because the Colts are a very, very good seven seed. And when they played the Packers, Jonathan Taylor... I, he wasn't even on his role yet. Yeah,
1: I mean that was his, that was his first like really good game.
0: But like now he's like now he's now he's feeling it. Mm-hmm. This defense is <laughs> this defense is really good. They were leading the league in fewest yards allowed for a good majority of the season. I think Darius Leonard's a superstar. Um, and DeForest Buckner was a huge pickup for them in the offseason. He's proven to be really, really good. And this offense, coming into this season, I was very skeptical of Phillip Rivers. I was very adamant that the Colts couldn't go very far with Phillip Rivers at quarterback. He's a, there's a reason he's been in the league for as long as he has. I mean, as out of the release as he has in as immobile as he is he's a really good game manager he's someone that's going to be really good in the broadcasting booth he he can he can lead a team he may not be the most skilled quarterback he's no Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes but he's a real leader and now now that you got Jonathan Taylor rolling T.Y. Hilton isn't hurt and looks somewhat okay this Colts team has, they can definitely keep it competitive. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the Bills just beat a playoff contender by 30. <laughs> and weren't even playing their starters the whole game. They are by far and away the hottest team in the NFL. It's not even close. They're, they're, they're beyond red hot. They're, they're white hot. I didn't realize how good Cole Beasley was. Oh, he's great. Until like this season. I, I, was, <laughs> I was playing Madden. I was doing like one of those fantasy drafts, and I saw Cole Beasley was a 91. I was like, you know what? I'm cool with that. <laughs> and not to forget the leader in receptions and reception yards, Stephon Diggs, who a lot of people criticized that trade. They were like, oh, if you're going you're gonna to give up a first-round pick, you better be good. And he was kind of a diva in Minnesota. And seeing what Minnesota was this season, yeah, Diggs had good reason to be a diva there. He was not getting the touches and the targets and respect that he deserved. And when he finally got to a good organization like the Bills, nothing against the Vikings, but they've really maximized a lot of players' talents, including the frigging quarterback who, if, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers didn't exist would probably be the MVP.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's pretty amazing the leap he's made because were you a skeptic of Josh Allen before this year?
1: You know, I I really don't want to be the guy who has hindsight bias, but I don't think I was that... Here's what I saw him as, as a really, like, one-dimensional player. Like, he could just throw it really far. And I didn't see that he had running talent. I didn't see that he actually had really solid accuracy. I saw him as, like, a Baker Mayfield tier.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: he's really taken a massive leap in my mind. Yeah, also, that, that, what's the other guy, McKenzie? Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah
0: McKenzie. He's good.
1: Georgia. they really...
0: They've been like the Toronto Raptors and just maximizing everyone's talent at that team. Like, imagine if Stefan Diggs went to the frick, I don't know, the Chargers. Like, imagine Keenan Allen on the Bills.
1: Yeah. That would be crazy. You'd get, like, 13 catches a game.
0: I mean, I'll, yeah. I Yes. Yes. Um, so to answer your question, will the game, will the Bills Colts game be as competitive as you think it is? I actually think it will. The Colts are very good despite the Bills blowing out teams throughout the season and showing off real characteristics of a super bowl winner. Them taking care of teams down the stretch. I think this game is going to be rather close. Then again, the, the final score could be 49-21 cuz that's who the bills have shown they can be. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, I do think I do think it'll be as close as you as you think. I do think it'll be close. Moving on now. You already Talked about this a little bit, but one of my question was questions was which six to eight D, eight C do you see pulling a possible upset or two? You said the Colts. I am actually going to go with the Los Angeles Rams.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So this Rams squad, I honestly, there aren't a lot of shut like truly shut down defenses. In these playoffs, I, the Rams are probably the defense I would trust the most just because they've got, I think, the most weapons on that defense that has made them good over the past few years. This year, they've allowed the fewest yards per game. They're second in sacks behind Pittsburgh. They're playing Seattle which I don't know how that's not one of the night games. I guess because you got to give Tom Brady a night game. Yeah. They have the defensive weapons to make Seattle's offense uncomfortable. Jalen Ramsey is very, very good at matching up with wide receiver ones. He's not afraid of anybody. And he's obviously got the body type to match up with DK Metcalf. Not like he's DK Metcalf, but he can certainly keep him in check. Aaron Donald's and Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. They've got other guys like Leonard Floyd, John Johnson, even just other guys like Samson Ebukam. They've got dudes who can make your offense uncomfortable. And on D, on offense, I honestly think John Wolford is the better option right now than Jared Goff. <laughs> That's really sad. (laughs) But Jared Goff, there was just – he was so consistently inconsistent. Like, he was so Jekyll and Hyde. Like, one game he'll go 16 for 17. Obviously, ten of those were dump-offs out of the play action to one of the tight ends or the fullbacks or the running backs. But there were games where he'd be hitting guys. And he'd be on a roll. And there were other games where he would throw, like, the dumbest interceptions in the world. Did you see the one against the Seahawks where he literally just threw it directly to Quandre Diggs? Yeah, I think so. And, and Troy Aikman, who's usually pretty lenient in criticizing quarterbacks on his broadcast. He was like, yeah, Jim, I, I, I really don't know what Jared Goff was throwing at there. Like, <laughs> he sounded pretty angry. Um, I mean, Goff's coming off of a thumb injury or thumb surgery or thumb something. Yeah. And I, I've never played in the NFL, but I've thrown a football. And in order to throw a football well, you need all five of your fingers to be. And. John Walford, Jared Goff said it himself. John Walford brought a spark to this offense. And it's it was a spark that Jared Goff hadn't been really providing. The, he, Wolford can scramble like really, really well. Like his speed was pretty shocking to me. And when I saw him scramble the first time, I was like, whoa, this guy's got wheels. And yeah, I I know he threw the interception, but I think that was mainly jitters. But after that, he he got in a roll passing. And the good thing about that is the Rams offense is Wolfer doesn't need to be the hero. I mean he's got guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup is coming back. They can create it on their own. Just give give it to Woods on a jet sweep. They love doing that. And Cup you can dump it off to and he can he can create after the catch. Tyler Higby is an easy few yards out of the play action. And their running backs, Daryl Henderson, uh, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers, they can also certainly be leaned on for offense. Their their rushing attack is top ten in yards per game. And as for Seattle, their defense it has gotten better over the as the season has gotten along, but they still gave up over three hundred eighty yards a game. They've given up over one hundred fifty yards. On the ground three times against the Vikings, Cardinals, and Giants, and in both their games against the Rams, they gave up over 100 yards rushing. So, yeah, that is my case for the Los Angeles Rams pulling the upset. Gabe, are there any other six to eight seeds? I'm trying to think who the other ones are. You've got, I mean, you've got Cleveland, who we've just talked about, Indianapolis, and then Chicago and the Rams.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I would give the Colts and the Rams the best shots out of those teams, just given everything that's going wrong with um, the Browns and everything that seems to be going wrong with the Bears, obviously. Um, Again, like, they can make competitive. Uh, But, yeah, I I see what you're saying about the Rams. I just – like, Jared Goff, there's no – doubt that he's inconsistent, but he's also just factually, like, a very, like, he can be very good. He can be. And if he's playing that game, if he's starting that game with that thumb injury, uh, like you were saying, like, you do need a thumb to throw a football. And probably in the NFL, like, the same rule applies. I think it is his right thumb. And that Seahawks team is just a little bit too good. I just – yeah, again, it depends which Bills and Seahawks are playing. But, yeah, I would give them about even chances of happening. I, I see what you're saying. And, look, Russell Wilson, can, he, he's looked a bit inaccurate over the
0: last couple of weeks, but he, him and the offense could totally come out and drop 35 on the Rams. Like that's totally a possibility, but I think the Rams' defense is really good, and John Wolford provides another and a nice spark to this offense, which the Rams have been lacking for a lot of the season. So that's my case for the Rams. How I I don't I don't see them getting past. uh, They would play Green Bay in the next round. I don't see them getting past there. So, Gabe, what is
1: your? next question I'm split between the two that I didn't choose I'm going to go with is being a division winner really a qualifier for playoff success nope and are is the Washington football team going to get absolutely demolished Sort of demolished, um, because that team is is not. I, I would say they're not a playoff team. I, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, me, they, me they are.
1: They are literally a division winner, so they have to be a playoff team. And I don't think the NFL should change the rules or whatever. But they're not a good team. They finished the season with a losing record. Uh-huh. Is very unclear their quarterback situation, which it's hard to win with two. Or zero quarterbacks. Um, Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson are really good, but uh, like you, you, you can't really run an offense with an injured Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke. But I, I could be wrong about that. And it's Tom Brady in the playoffs, and it's he's been putting up monster numbers lately in Tampa Bay. He's got great weapons. Uh, I don't know much about the Tampa Bay defense, but probably good enough to the Washington offense to its typical dismal self. And I don't think the Washington defense is quite enough to to hold back Tom Brady. So how badly are they going to lose, Quentin? So I
0: think they're going to get sort of demolished, not completely demolished. Because the one true strength the Washington professional football team has is their defensive line. And they can create pressure. And Tom Brady does not like pressure. He does not do well under pressure. And I feel like the only way Washington can give themselves a chance to win this game is if that pressure gets to Tom Brady He's throwing it away a bunch. He's looking at the refs for flags, or both. And they forced some turnovers. Combined with Tampa Bay, there have been points this season where they've been extremely undisciplined in terms of penalties. So I feel like that's the only way they can give themselves a chance to win. And yes, the offensive has has some bright spots. Alex Smith is going to get the comeback player of the year, award named after him. It, oh, for it, sure. it better be. It should like, be. It, it better be. Um, Terry is scary. Gibson and McKissick have been a pleasant surprise this season. But when you have a quarterback that's injured on one leg, pretty much, can't scramble and can't throw the ball more than 20 yards down the field. I mean, Alex Smith according to Football Outsiders, average around five intended air yards per attempt entering Week 17, which was pretty far and away the lowest in the NFL. So this Tampa Bay defense has the tools to be a great defense and to be shut down. They haven't completely shown that this season, but I think it'll definitely be enough to put away Washington, even though this Washington team – has the same attributes as Giants teams have playing Tom Brady's Patriots in the past. A solid defense. They were actually the Washington defense was atop the league. Not I don't think atop the league, but pretty high up there in terms of pass defense. Guys like Cameron Curl. Cameron Curl has been a really pleasant surprise for Washington. Ask Washington fans. They they love Cameron Curl um but i just yeah i just don't think washington has enough to really compete with tampa bay i think the game will be sort of close for a little bit but i think tampa bay is just going to overpower them on offense they're either going to get godwin or hey who knows antonio brown they're going to get someone going or ronald jones they're going to get someone going i think the washington's going to get sort of blown out but not it, it won't be an embarrassment on national television.
1: Like are we talking 10 14 points in the sort of blowout range? I'll uh I'll
0: say I'll say 31 13.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I'm not going to say 56 10 like the Ravens do to bad teams every year. No, I don't think that. I don't, I don't think that's happening. I don't think Washington's going to let that happen.
1: So yeah, I think they'll get sort of blown out, but it'll probably um, look closer, or it'll look closer if you're watching the game. than mm-hmm. If you're just looking at the scoreboard, yeah, this Washington team is hungry. They're very hungry. Yeah. They were. I
0: think they, out of all, out of the, even with all the crappiness that was the NFC East. I think Washington was the right
1: team yeah. to win the division.
0: So, yeah, that'll answer your question.
1: All right. Well, it actually ended up being the most competitive division. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sunday night was uh, pretty excruciating as a Giants fan, but hey, they don't, it was only them that put themselves in that position. Yeah. So, all right. Which team is most likely to derail? No, 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 forget that. We already kind of answered that. New question. Can the Ravens carry on their hot streak against a fellow Super Bowl contender? There we go. I like that question. All right. So the Ravens have undeniably looked great lately. Lately. Their offense has clicked at the right time, and their defense has gotten back to being, being good. However, they've looked great against the Cowboys, Jaguars, Giants, and Bengals. So the Ravens' five losses this year, they've, they lost the Steelers twice, the Panthers, still don't know how that happened, and the Chiefs, all playoff teams minus New England. Tampa Bay sort of caught Baltimore syndrome in terms of beating bad teams and losing the good teams. Baltimore has obviously historically not been able to beat within the last few years. Not like their whole history, but within the last few years, the Lamar Jackson era, they've had trouble being competitive and beating good teams. I think the 47-42 Cleveland game was Lamar's best win, unless I'm forgetting something. So against the Titans I think this has the chance to be the best first round game. I agree. We were talking about we're talking about the same storylines as last year. The Ravens are the favorites. The Titans the Titans got we we think of the Titans a little more highly now than than we did last year, heading into the playoffs. Um, this Titans team is really good. Their offense is electric. It, that's what's going to carry them. They're because de- their defense is is not good. Yeah, one of the things about the Titans they are very hard to tackle on offense. Derrick Henry leads all running backs in missed tackles with thirty four or forced miss tackles. As You can just take one look at him, and it'll make sense. A.J. Brown is third among wide receivers in forced miss tackles with 13. And Corey Davis is a big dude at 6'3", 205 pounds. Ryan Tannehill is... I was mentioning on one of the earlier podcasts for the black and white earlier in the season. I've talked about the sleeper MVP case for Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, that didn't really materialize, but not because he was bad. It's just other guys got really good. His stats are not elite, but he's, I think he's a top-ten quarterback. He's sneaky fast. I don't know if you saw the Texans highlight, but he it was the game-tying touchdown. He took the read option. And like scampered, like it was a legit scamper to the left corner of the end zone. I'm like, whoa, I know we could do that. Derrick Henry, obviously Derrick Henry, the rightful rushing leader this season. And A.J. Brown and Corey Davis present very tough matchups on the outside. So I think this game is going to be close. One thing, one funny thing about these teams, the Ravens and Titans are one and two in rushing yards per game. So I think a main key for both these teams, they have to get the run going. And you know what? Despite the Ravens being the favorites, I'm going to go with the Titans. I think the Ravens carry on their history of losing the bad, of losing the good teams in the playoffs because one thing about the Ravens, they have troubles. They have trouble stopping the run. And you preferably want to have a good run defense when you're playing someone like Derrick Henry. Gabe, what do you think of this game?
1: I think Titans are smart bet. Uh, You're talking about how they're one and two in rushing yards, both very different rushing attacks. I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah. You've got Lamar Jackson J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards pretty much sharing the load I think they combined for 400 404 something like that Yeah. Um, recently I don't remember if it was last week or the week before mm-hmm. Um, the Titans obviously it's Derrick Henry and I think that it's it's not easy to stop Derrick Henry you're not really going to stop him you're going to do what the packers did which is force him to run in places that he doesn't really want to run and you're going to get him to run for like these 2 yard um he's going to break off for 9 yards every every couple runs that's a gimme because it's Derrick Henry he's the most talented runner right now but it's easier to stop one player than it is to stop three players mm-hmm. um the Ravens passing attack is really not daunting. Uh, the Titans are not a good defense. I think you, no. you had that right. It could be a really high-scoring game of offensive juggernauts. Um, I think, yeah, Titans are a smart bet because they're not favored, but it's close enough where if they won, you would win pretty solid money mm. And I think that, I don't know, we, we always forget about uh, Tannehill, and he's been pretty decent. Tannehill's legit. Even better than decent. Like, he's been almost elite. I, I shy away from saying elite because there's always the Joe Flacco <laughs> conversation. But, I, yeah, I, I think he's borderline elite right now. And Lamar Jackson as a passer isn't there. But he has his legs, which make him so much more deadly. And then, yeah, there's J.K. Dobbins. There's um, Gus Edwards. There's also Marquise Brown, who's been good. He's kind of turned it around. He's gotten a lot better over the last
0: few weeks. I've been criticizing him heavily throughout the season, rightfully so. But I have to give him
1: his credit. He's been very good over the last couple of weeks. He's really turned it around. So the weapons are just – yeah, again, I've also been – critical of him so i wouldn't feel bad about that he was not looking good for the first part of the season mm-hmm. but there are some crazy weapons that's going to be fun to watch i think you got it right that it's going to be the closest i know i may have said that i thought the bills and colts were going to be the closest but i wasn't thinking about the titans uh the titans ravens game it's going to be great I'm, I'm excited for it i'm looking for a 31 28 win for the titans and yeah. It it's just it's all gonna be uh I don't know. I'm just very very uncertain with who I'd who I'd pick if I were an NFL announcer or not announcer, a commentator on one of the shows who my selection would be. But if I would if I were a sports better, I would certainly bet on Tennessee. And yeah, I'm just I'm excited for that game. That's another one I'm going to turn on the TV for. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one key for the Ravens to stop, well, not stop, contain Derrick Henry. You got to
0: make him run north-south or no, east-west. You got to make him run east-west. He's not very, he's not going to break your ankles with a sick juke or a sick spin move. It doesn't have a lot of finesse. Force him out of bounds, yeah. The one, just the one, yeah. The one thing I'm worried about with the Titans is their defense and their special teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam Sloman is no Justin Tucker. I mean, Justin Tucker is just about as much of a sure thing as anything, except maybe Graham Gano from the Giants. He's, God, I hope they sign him to an extension. He's been great, but uh, Sloman is it was a little shaky. You saw the kick at the end; it went in, but you need a little bit of help from the upright
1: um yeah it was a miss that really got lucky mm -hmm. yeah so yeah
0: the titans obviously the defense is the one thing i worry about but obviously they proved the last year they can step up when they stepped up when it mattered they stepped up when it mattered and i think they certainly can this season so yeah that is going to be an extremely fun game all right gabe last question before we head out what do you got
1: my question was going to be about the Titans Colts, but I'm going to instead look a little bit down down the road. Who's, who's the most entertaining Super Bowl matchup you can imagine with the 14 teams we've got? I know that wasn't within the rules. I know I'm we're good. talking I'm about a wild weekend here. All good. But what's the most entertaining for you?
0: I don't want to be boring and say Chiefs-Packers because, I mean, obviously that would sort of be a passing of the torch game, even though I think Rodgers could still be going. Um, I think I've been listening, I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast. Bucks-Bills. I think that would be really fun. Just because you've got Again, an older quarterback, the goat against a rising star, and a juggernaut offense. You've got sort of three. No, you've got two sort of juggernaut offenses, and both defenses are solid. So that that I'm just trying to think of. Well, I would be like, ooh, I'm really excited for that that Super Bowl. Hmm.
1: What, what do you have, as, as I think? What do you got? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, most exciting would be, like, <laughs> uh, Browns-Packers, so the Packers could, could win. But I – and then also really exciting would be Mahomes-Rodgers. But, again, I don't want to be boring. I don't want to pick the one seeds because, A, it's not always going to be the one seeds in the Super Bowl. And, mm. B, I have a more fun – pick I think which would be bills again bills they're just fun to watch mm-hmm. they've got a great offense and Seahawks uh similar pick I was actually laughing when you selected the bills because um, I for some reason thought you wouldn't but yeah <laughs> Bills Hawks would be terrific it would be a it would be a shootout um I think the bills would prevail but I'd just love to see those two offenses just The passing, too. It would be crazy. Uh, We could see, like, 100 passes thrown in that game combined. Yeah. I mean, it would just be absurd. Um, Yeah. Man. That just – that gets me excited. I I like looking down um, far ahead. But, obviously, some tough COVID situations could completely derail our predictions. Yeah. It could be – well, – you no, know what, I'm going to go on the record and say this is
0: not happening. It could be freeing Bears-Browns, for all we know, because of <laughs> COVID. Even though, literally, the NFL would cry if that happened.
1: I but mean, that was pretty entertaining, too.
0: Mitch Trubisky versus Baker,
1: Baker. Mayfield?
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, sign me up.
1: <laughs> the battle of the mediocre quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: there, yeah, there's a lot of
0: teams who I would like be intrigued to see in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I went with Bucks Bills just because those are sort of like the I have I've had like a thing in the past for picking like two seeds for, like not exactly the best teams, but not to, like j- the tier below that. I've had a thing yeah. in the past where I like pick those teams and like all the sports to go to the championship. But, yeah, I think Tampa Bay-Buffalo would be,
1: would be really fun. But, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. potentially very exciting Super Bowl matchups and that's that I'm excited to see. Yeah, that's also a passing of the torch. Got yeah. Brady to Allen. I don't know. One bonus question before we get out of here.
0: Which one of the older quarterbacks in the playoffs, so we got Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, Rivers, which one of those four do you think is going to be the best in the broadcasting booth?
1: That's a tough one. Because Breeze is, I, Breeze is
0: already locked up with NBC when he retires. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm going to go with Breeze. Uh, I do not really like him as a person. I don't know him at all because I – yeah. I, but I, I can imagine us not being friends. Okay. But he just has that mind, that football mind, that you just can't replicate. Like Tony Robo for that first season where he was just predict, able he was play. literally predicting plays. Yeah, he would predict plays and he would break them down in such an intelligent way that uh the, layman yeah like viewers felt like they actually understood the complexities of the game that is football. And I think Drew Brees can do the same thing. He's an excellent communicator. He always has been and yeah I, I see him being successful. I really don't see Rogers making that career leap. I could see him being like a John Elway a little bit more, Okay, but he's more of a quiet guy, obviously not on the field, but I think off the field besides the state farm commercials, he's not like an overwhelmingly uh, public figure. He's not going to like seek out, being a herd i mean he might like make a podcast or something i could be completely wrong but uh, i just to me he doesn't seem like he would pursue that but if he did he would be tremendous but i I still think breeze would take the cake among
0: those yeah i think rogers would just be interesting because like when you watch him my dad and i were like marveling at just how easy the game comes to him like, I think he threw that long touchdown to Valdez gambling where he ran, like, the seam route from the slot. Yeah. And he got past the linebacker. And you could see on the replay, Rodgers, like, saw it, and it clicked. And he just threw, like, the most beautiful pass. And you can see, like, on the field when he does a hard count, he gets someone to jump. Or, like, I think in the Falcons game, he was, like, smiling at the end because he was just, like, he knew he was so much smarter than everyone else on the field yeah. that, like, he could control the game with his mind, sort of. So yeah. I think that would just be interesting to see from like beautiful football mind. I think Philip Rivers would be really great. I don't know if you've heard like his mic'd up, no. but he's also very smart. All these guys are really smart. I think Philip Rivers would also be interesting. I feel like he could also have some great stories because he's just been in the league for so long.
1: Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is also smart, like not football wise, like he's an intelligent person. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I I I'm going to retract what I said about like, cause I don't know him. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with Breeze, like I also don't know Rogers. Um, and yeah, he's very vocal and he's very football smart and regular, um, smart. <laughs> um, yeah, they yeah. don't, they don't let dummies into Berkeley. Right.
0: <laughs> All right, Gabe, that'll do it. Everyone's still listening. First of all, thank you for for staying. We really appreciate it here. Make sure to check out theblackandwhite.net. We have got a slew of awesome stories still going up. Gabe, you got anything
1: to advertise for the Rutabaga? If you hate babies, you'll really like one of our most recent articles. That's all I'll say. TheRutabaga.net. If you don't know how to spell Rutabaga, then you're probably not in our average reader. Demographic and... You should open up a dictionary, thesaurus, your phone, Siri, anything. Just figure out how to spell rutabaga. Sorry. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Quentin. Of course. It was a pleasure.
0: Everyone, make sure to still wear a mask when you go out in public, wash your hands, stay safe, and take care.